everybody. Thanks so much. Everyone who's leaving us reviews, man, it, it means a lot to us and it helps the podcast grow. So we appreciate you. We're going to read off a few and, and thank and thank you guys. So from Harris Jabrini, it's about the Popeyes versus Roast Camel episode. Um, he gave us five stars and he said, I don't know which episodes I love more. The silly ones, hi at David Copperfield. That was a fun one. Or these very insightful ones. This one in particular takes an ethical dilemma with people on social media struggle with cu- cultural relativism and unpacks it in terms of the Popeyes chicken sandwich and a whole roasted camel. It's genius. Harris, thanks for your review. <laughs> what, it, for sure, thank you, because I'm glad someone caught that one episode we're getting high and going to a magic show. And so I appreciate you guys leaving reviews because it allows us to uh, get more funding to be able to do. <laughs> I want to get high and go to more places, so thank you. But of course, um, we also have this review from Tommy T. Who, Stay starts humble, out, baby. who starts out with, who are these idiots? With a two-star review, this podcast was recommended by a, a associate in the food business, as am I. I've listened to five episodes so far, and I'm convinced these two have no insight or cogent points or on anything food related i'm out tommy t thank you for your review yo it took tommy t five episodes to find out we don't know what the fuck we're talking about bro i found that out the first week we started this podcast but i do appreciate those two stars man so a review you didn't leave us a one yeah one it could have been worse could have been we're, we're not bad right now i kind of want to know which five episodes he listened to yeah i'm like i wish i could find out but i'm glad he reviewed regardless yeah man so guys good or bad leave us a review we really do appreciate it it's the one people ask us how they can help that's all you need, really need to do we don't need much of anything just Re- review us on apple Podcasts now please thank you guys appreciate you and uh here's a word from our sponsor Guys, this episode of the Foobies Ketchup has a beautiful sponsor, and their names are Dean's Dairy Dip. It's my favorite dip on the market. It's versatile. You can use it as a straight-up dip, or you can incorporate it into a dish like a true Foobies. And here's here's what I've been doing. I, I do a grilled cheese with it. I lather one end of it with uh, the French onion, Dean's Dairy Dip. That's my favorite flavor. And the other side, I just put whatever cheese I have available at my house. I put both the sides together and I lather the outsides actually again with more Dean's Dip instead of a butter. And then I grill it up in a pan. Uh, I flip it once. I cut it in half. I serve it and everybody's happy. It's literally the easiest, dopest dish you can think of. So I need you guys to immediately go to the store safely, go to the dairy aisle, Pick up some Dean's Dairy Dip, support the homies for supporting the podcast, support your stomach with a really delicious dish, and then tag me. Tag me on Instagram with whatever you create. Even if you're just dunking a burger or a chicken nugget into the Dean's Dairy Dip like a legend, do that and tag me because the more we support Dean's Dairy Dip, the more we support our Foobies family, the happier we all are. I'm saying, bro, it's just a beautiful vibe. So anyways, here's another beautiful episode of The Catch-Up. Welcome to the catch-up. Introducing your hosts, Eli Aruth, editor and Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food porn peddling, viral website on the dot coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy. There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. All right. And welcome to the catch-up. Yo, fatties. Welcome back to the catch-up. Jeff, this is by far got to be the fattest episode we've ever done. <laughs> We're literally in an ice cream store right now. Our very special guest today has been on Forbes' 30 Under 30. Jeff Goldblum just called him a mad genius. But more impressive, at least to me, he's he's known on the streets for creating hundreds of ice cream flavors. Bangers like pear and blue cheese. Ooh. A little bone marrow with bourbon smoked cherries. Dang. There's olive oil flavors in the ice cream. He's strawberry balsamic and black pepper. Yeah, I have that one. <laughs> Dude, most recently though, I had a cone of his at the downtown Disney location. It's a caramel 
Thanksgiving turkey skin ice cream, son. What? It's actually really, really good. Trust me on this, fatties. It's amazing. He's the author of his own ice cream cookbook. He's co-founded one of America's most fun, friendly, and innovative ice cream shops with his cousin back in 2011. And today, we're sitting with the man himself in Salt and Straw location number 20. Pasadena. The day before it opens, the co-founder, head ice cream maker, Mr. Tyler Salt and Straw Malik. Welcome to the catch-up. That was a good lead up. Is that decent? <laughs> that was, was that epic. decent? Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Now we, we're on We pride ourselves on those. Yeah, I like my intros. <laughs> I like my intros. Um, dude, you're looking good. How old are you? Uh, 32. I'm, that's a really awkward yeah. question, but I'm just going to ask that's you. How old are you? I'm 30. Oh, no, I'm 31 now. Yeah, don't dude, lie, dude. dude. Sorry, dude. What <laughs> you mean in your 30s? It just blends together. Mm, it does, yeah, yeah. Ice cream's doing you well, though. Yeah, it's it's a healthy, it's surprisingly good for you, ice cream. I'm, I, th- I feel like I'm going to learn a lot from you today. Yeah, eat like two pints a day of ice cream. <laughs> That's really healthy. Yeah, it's really good for you. Okay, this is good. So have you always- Sleep 12 <laughs> hours, eat two pints. That sounds like it. a pretty solid yeah. formula for happiness. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'd it. I'd be a very happy person. Two pints, <laughs> 12 hours. So I just, I just guys, if you hear stuff in here, we're literally in an ice cream store the day before Salt and Straw opens here in Pasadena, California. So Isn't this epic? It's pretty dope. Yeah. I've never, I never thought that this would be my life right now. <laughs> so, but this is, this is badass. Have you always like been into ice cream since you were a little kid? Yeah. I mean, for me, I love, I just love what ice cream does for your life, right? It like brings joy to families and, uh, and when I started cooking, I started cooking in 2011. I was uh, in culinary school, and I think ice cream in and of itself has like the most magical powers in the entire world. Uh, and for me, I started kind of going on these journeys of creating flavors, and through that, we started realizing that we can kind of like take people out of their comfort zone a little bit and have mm. just fun in, in our creation process. So what were you doing before, before like, so Salt and Straw was founded in 2011, but let's go like just mm. a couple years before that, right? Yeah. I just like, I want to know how you, I mean, one, you started this with your cousin. Yeah. Did you guys like live together? Did you guys hang out a lot? What's, it, what, what were you doing in, right before then? And Tyler, before you ask that too, or answer that is she also kind of described you as pretty like relentless and like becoming like a role within the company too <laughs> in, a, yeah. in other podcasts. So yeah. I'm just kind of, yeah, give us like what you were doing, where you were at, the conversations yeah. that you had with Kim. You like, want my I, side of the story. Yeah, I want, yeah. I, I want, I want, <laughs> I want everything. You. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was crazy for me. Uh, I graduated college, um, you know, I have my degree in Chinese and business. Really? Dang, okay. Which have, has very little to do with ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, for, I, I think it was interesting. It was right in the middle of the recession and I was really like, I was hunting for something to do. And oddly enough, um, right at that point, I actually was going through, you know, uh, in my life, a pretty hard time. My uh, stepfather was passing away from oh, cancer. No. And uh, in the, through all of that, I was, you know, I was trying to travel back and forth to Beijing and, you know, finish my studies. And um, ultimately I did, but I realized, like, I don't want my life to be this, you know. I want to, I think there's something powerful with being able to, you know, be with your family, like to bring, your, bring people together around food. And I started cooking a lot like a lot and that became like therapy right uh, which it very much is for anyone who really gets into cooking and just the, the process of it um and so i i tried a stint at selling new new cars for about two weeks got <laughs> fired and um signed up for culinary school the next day this is back where now where where this is uh, back in the states in seattle in seattle yeah, north of seattle okay so you're uh, and this is circa 2009 2010 yeah 2010 okay yeah and so uh this is really like a uh, such an interesting point for me because then uh at that point i i called my cousin kim and um i i was like hey i think i'm gonna move to portland and go to culinary school is that weird she's like i just moved to portland and i'm gonna start an ice cream company <laughs> and, what um and i was like this can't be yeah. this there's no way this is a coincidence so i spent the next like two weeks just uh talking her into letting me come <laughs> make ice cream well what was her experience with ice cream was she did she just think it was a good idea or what why was she making ice cream you know for her uh so she didn't know how to make ice cream yet okay this she is where you come in but i want someone would know how to make ice cream <laughs> <laughs> Damn, your sister knows what she's doing all right uh and she uh so we or your cousin sorry yeah yeah no she she's 
Um, she has a pretty cool history of working for some of the best country, uh, companies in the country. And, I heard she um, worked at Starbucks for a little bit. Yeah, really. She started at Starbucks when there were 30 stores. Wow, okay. And I think she was part of, you know, she really saw how Starbucks could go into a community and really like evolve it and be um, kind of a, a pivotal point for um, cities. Um, and then, you know, slowly, of, of course, that got a little out of hand yeah. in some ways. But um, I think she was, uh, she loved this idea of like really creating a space for people to gather and meet each other and I think she realized that like coffee was one thing but uh, something like ice cream could be something completely different um, we love this idea of obviously creating a space where people can come in and they take off their armor and they meet their neighbors they meet the people that made the food that goes into their ice cream they meet people that are from out of town that maybe have different viewpoints than them different you know, uh, backgrounds everything and you it all comes together in ice cream where it's like just the most freeing happy product in the world i do notice in your stores the staff is so damn friendly they are like yeah. it's not even blowing smoke because there's other ice cream stores that are good but like the staff isn't like they care so much like yo can i tell you about this yeah would you like to try one it's not yeah. like begging for a for a free sample yeah it's just do you get that experience too when you go like, yeah i get that experience but i also feel like it, you they almost have to be here because and they don't obviously have to be but why i think it's so great that they are is because i have so many questions when i walk into a salt and straw <laughs> yeah. and not like not bad questions but i'm or just like, so curious yeah. like i'm like, looking what was tyler thinking but yeah, turkey and ice cream exactly yeah. right so hey, i yeah. don't i don't just want to order that <laughs> yeah. when i see when yeah. i see something like turkey skin and ice cream tile i want to talk to someone about yeah. it like give me some context <laughs> like why and if that yeah. person was brash if that person was like it's good you should have it that that would really turn me off in the vital moment that i'm opening myself up and like yeah. showing someone that i have this curiosity and so every time I've, I've walked into a salt and straw they've accepted that curiosity they've accepted my dozen samples and then they've <laughs> given me some great ice cream yeah i think of it like this like you know, we we'd really train this uh, this idea of like we're not actually selling ice cream we're selling wonder and mm. i think this there's something so much more to that because my dream is that every customer that ever comes in salt and straw spends 45 minutes tasting through everything and wouldn't well, that be isn't that amazing no, that's why the line is that's always so long yeah. <laughs> and that's fine because you're buying you're like it's one of the most amazing experiences and then you you know that costs what five dollars to spend 45 minutes going on this journey through food and in the city and i think that's really really cool there's really nothing like that in the food industry whatsoever yeah um you have to think about it like you can't go to like best restaurant in town and be like can i just get like a spoonful of that foie gras dish i've never tried foie gras before right um or uh, you know like yeah. that doesn't work yeah um but you come here and we you know we'll push your limits like maybe we're highlighting this really amazing bug farmer from oakland who's doing the first like edible bugs in the united states and she just moved up from central mexico and has this amazing company uh called don Baguito, by the way um so if you find it yeah, eat yeah. It. they're so good and you get to try that through a spoonful of ice cream and, and you know like you get a spoonful and then you're like but i'm just gonna order that salted caramel it's yeah. really good. <laughs> that's like the most palatable way to introduce people to things Isn't like oh cool? you never had like balsam like a bet a, bet a, young, a bunch yeah. of young kids have never had like balsamic vinegar sure or you know until yeah. and until they have it through ice cream they're like yo i remember at salt yeah. and straw i had that i'll be more open to it on my salad or yeah. as a glaze in this other dish so that's that's really cool that little idea I of wonder that. through ice cream is is really really dope so i mean did you know did you have did you have an approach to food bef before ice cream mm. or did that develop as you were learning to make ice cream uh, yeah, a little bit of both. This is that's a kind of a cool way to ask that question. I, I like that. I think um, for me, when w I first started making ice cream, um, you know, the, the the story that we started with, uh, the, the way it ends is that I dropped out of culinary school three months later and I just made ice cream all day, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it was okay. Um, or it turned out okay. Uh, I really, you know, I dropped out right before a pastry class. I had no idea how to make ice cream. <laughs> the class Literally. you might have needed. Yeah. Some sort of quarterstone class yeah. that you just dropped. Okay. As it turns out. Um, so I, I uh, it was interesting because like when it came to making flavors and making ice cream in general, I, um, 
I was starting from scratch. And so the cool thing about Portland and I think LA very much has the same vibe. Like, um, we, uh, we look out for each other. And when it came time to making an ice cream, I, I had some of the most amazing, uh, people in the city at my back. I like this idea of like building on the shoulder of Titans, right? So when I wanted to make a chocolate ice cream, we've got five of the top chocolatiers in the country within like a one mile square radius in Portland. And that meant I got to, you know, spend a day with each one of them learning about how to properly temper chocolate, how to make caramels that fit nicely in frozen states, uh, all of these things that we've got these team members or these, these like companies that are just epically doing the most amazing stuff in the city. And then you take that one step further. Like let's, uh, I wanted to do a beer ice cream. We've got some of the best breweries in the country in Portland and yeah. uh, same here in LA, right? Like we're slowly building some of these uh, skill sets or some yeah. of these epic like partners here in the city. So I, I would learn through them. And then I just wanted to like tell people every time someone would come into salt and Straw, I'd be like, Oh my God, let me tell you about this brewery that I spent a day at. I just made an ice cream with them, taste it. And that became kind of the ethos for our company, like telling stories through flavor. Did you know that you were going to, col I mean, cause collaboration is such a big part of the through line in, in the salt and straw brand. Yeah. Did you know, and or did you and Kim know from the beginning that it was going to be, you know, as, as, as much of a pillar as I think it is, and especially when we're talking about collaborations in 2019, where collaboration is everywhere. It almost mm -hmm. feels like if you're not collaborating, you're not having an impact in mm -hmm. pop culture in the way that you could. So I'm curious about how you guys were looking at collaboration before you started collab collaborating. Right, because like 2011 collaboration was like a weird word. Like no one said that. <laughs> right, like that yeah, wasn't yeah. a word in the food community. Um, uh, I mean, it's exactly what I what I said earlier. It was a forced collaboration because that's how I learned how yeah. to how to make food. Yeah. Um, and I like it now because we, um, you know, we've built that into our ethos. And now I think when we partner with with um, artisans or nonprofits, you know, we partner with people here in the country. Uh, it becomes this genuine like give and take, and we really mold each other. We mold the story together, and I think that's really really important. So like in 2010, what were conversations like with your cousin, Kim? Like, because <laughs> you, you dropped out of school, so you had some sort of belief, not only in yourself, but in this brand. Like, did she already have, like, here's the here's the blueprint. It's called Salt and Straw. Like, mm -hmm. what, where did this inklings of the brand start coming together? Yeah, I mean, we, we started as a push cart. <laughs> and um, in Portland, it's really easy to just like, buy a push cart and you put it on the street and you, you can go. It's not as start. weird. It's not as a, uh, oh, okay. Here's yeah, no, it's uh, very much like a thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so we uh, started up as a push cart and I remember I was like, I talked to Kim. I, I, she, at first she said, no, like you can't, I don't want you to come here. <laughs> I was like, well, why not? And she was like, well, you don't know how to make ice cream. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> the biggest reason. And you're like, my cousin and I, I won't be able to pay you. And I was like, fine yeah you know and ultimately i was like well okay let me try making ice cream and if i suck at it i'll just like be the delivery driver i just want to help and you know i'll live in your basement it's fine i can um, see why she doesn't want you to did you actually <laughs> live in her basement yeah yeah so I, lived in her basement. I didn't know if that was a metaphor <laughs> okay you lived in i literally lived in her basement yeah that was payment first <laughs> um and we uh and I went to Goodwill and got um, five ice cream makers for $3 each. Nice. Um, it's like, if you want to start making ice cream, go to Goodwill, it's great. Uh, and uh, we just started making flavors and we started serving ice cream out of a push cart. Um, That's it, was it called Salt and Straw at that time? Like yeah. the Salt and Straw push cart? What does Salt and Straw like mean? Mm -hmm. Dumb question? No, it's not was dumb. It, was yeah. it me? Uh, you know, we love this idea of we make everything in five gallon batches by hand and even to to, to this day we're uh, actually we've become the largest small batch ice cream maker in the country and i think the cool thing about that is that there's so much that goes into it like there's so much love that you can't taste but it makes a huge difference in the quality of our product because it's made by hand and um 
I love that idea. And so salt and straw, salt and straw comes from this idea of uh, when they used to make ice cream, they'd put salt and ice in a cooler and they'd hand crank it. Mm. And then before they uh, had freezers, they'd take that kind of that pot of ice cream and they'd put it in the barn and pack hay around it or straw oh, shit. to insulate it. Yeah, I knew um, I'd learn some stuff today. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, uh, yeah. There we, we go. We went, the funny, funny story is we, we had that this name of our company for, and we were running the company for like six months, and we just always thought we we heard about this story, and that's how we came up with the name. But um, then, uh, like an eight-year-old came in, and he's like, "I just went to Thomas Jefferson's homestead, and this is a true. They're telling the truth. It's a true story. We <laughs> learned how to make ice cream there." And I was like. Oh my God, thank you for the validation. <laughs> that eight-year-old is now your logo. <laughs> number one fact checker, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell, what, was the, what was the first flavor that gave you like a significant boost in confidence to where you either put more trust in the business, you mm. put more trust in the future, you put more trust in yourself? Was there kind of a defining flavor moment where you noticed the differentiation of what you were creating and compared to what was in the marketplace? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, I think it was the eighth flavor we ever uh, completed or eighth recipe I ever, um, you know, published and put out in the world uh, was pear and blue cheese. Oh, yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. And the cool thing about it was um, it all started with this idea of uh, highlighting this one farm. So there's a, there's a farm in Southern Oregon called uh, Rogue Creamery. Um, and they make goat or they make cheese. They make blue cheese, and it so just so happens in 2011 they sent out their cheese to France and this cheese competition, blue cheese competition, and they won best blue cheese in the world, which just being in a French cheese competition in <laughs> France <laughs> right. already pissed enough people off, but then to win, um, and actually this last year uh, they just won best cheese in the world overall. Oh, so. Wow literally like a game-changing blue cheese coming out of southern oregon and on top of that this company they've slowly built by supporting other cheesemakers in the region southern oregon slowly becoming known as one of the best cheese regions in the entire world because of this one company wow. um so road creamery if you get to go do it and um, we wanted to pair them with pears because we're actually you know oregon is one of the top exporters of pears in the world which not many people knew so it was kind of this fun partnership and just had no idea how to ever do that. Um, and so slowly it took maybe a two or three months of just trial and error and testing and testing. How do you get the pear flavor in there? How do you get the blue cheese? How do you get it all to kind of meld together? And um, ultimately we came out with this flavor that was, I mean, to this day, we haven't changed the recipe in, in nine years. So to this day, it's one of the best recipes we've ever written. Was that one on the cart at all? Yeah. That was on the cart. Mm -hmm. Okay. How long was the cart around before you guys decided it's time to open up a store? We had a cart for six months, uh, summer of 2011. And it was, uh, happens to be the rainiest summer on record. <laughs> Literally, like, so we had a cart and we, uh, we thought it was like, oh, we'll put this like canopy over it, right? Because yeah. then if it rains, it'll just go. It was raining sideways. <laughs> into the ice cream. <laughs> yes. I just um, thought about like a Portland based ice cream company and like, cause there's yeah. a lot that goes into it. Cause the idea that I wonder if just the community of Portland really helped foster and be open to the crazy flavors that you were bringing to mm -hmm. the table. Cause I was going to kind of ask about your method and why does one ever try an elderberry or like does I always think about this when I go to really fancy restaurants mm -hmm. and I'm like yo how did someone did you like just try a bunch of twigs and then decide that like this flavor's <laughs> dope good. you yeah. know what I mean like yeah. I don't what's your method like are you are you familiar with all these flavors are they inherent mm -hmm. to Portland where are they coming from uh, I mean I, I this is where we might really get along because like I love this idea of story hunting um, and so for me I I'll be the first to admit, like I, I, I'm not the best with flavors or even, I don't even have that good of a palate, but um, I love telling stories and I love finding stories. So I equate my job a lot more to like writers or, you know, um, uh, people that are like food writers, yeah. right? Or people putting together podcasts or TV shows. Like I love this idea of really going out and finding a story and like figuring out how to capture it into one scoop of ice cream. Yeah, And, uh, it's cool because then that that becomes my guiding light and once i find the story then it's you know you you just go on this like you unleash all this research into who's the top 
person in that in that community like where do we go with this how do we who do we interview to start building this story up into ice cream so you guys are pushing this card around for six months <laughs> at what point do you or your cousin camera like all right is there enough money from this cart to open a store? Do you guys go find an investor? What happens next? Yeah, I mean, we were lucky. I mean, Kim cash sold her house, cashed in her 401k, oh. and, uh, and we started a shop just like we, we literally like bootstrapped it um, and opened our first shop. It's in Northeast Portland. Which, um, was it line out the door first day or was it? It was funny, we hired two people because we were like, there's, and then on top of that, we were like, there's not going to be any business. So we took on a catering, we were catered a wedding that same night that we opened the first shop. <laughs> and so uh, Kim was out at the wedding. I was out at the shop with our two people that we hired. <laughs> and there's a line out the door. Oh. And we were like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to need more help. Yeah. <laughs> we were calling all our friends like, can you come scoop ice cream? <laughs> so every, every restaurateur or business owner that's in food or beverage that we know wants to have this inherent like line out the door. Can you, do you know why you had a line out the door the first day? Because I think well, we pe- weren't staffed enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's part of it, but even to get to the point that you aren't staffed enough, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, was that, was that just because the flavors were hitting in the community through your push cart? Was that, I know, I know Kim has a marketing and comm background. Was she putting like strategy into play? Like, what are the things that caused you guys to have a lot of people in line day one, shop one? Mm. I think um, for us, what we realized really quickly is that like our, and we, it took us about a year of the first year to really dial in like what it was, but um, we kind of like slowly kind of built this formula for success in regards to how we, um, how we make the product and how we talk about it. Um, And again, it kind of goes all back to that, taking people on a journey, creating a sense of wonder. uh, And then, um, how does our how do our team members relate to that? So I mean, the first thing you said, right, was like everyone that is working at Salt and Straw is just like the nicest human in the entire world, and um, we were lucky enough in the first year to accidentally hire the nicest people in the entire <laughs> world. But after the first year, we started realizing, oh, we gotta like we gotta put seek a, these people out, right? And so we spent, I mean, we've we've spent the last eight years ever since like hunting down the nicest humans in the world and just making sure that there's as few barriers in their way to provide that amazing service and to um, kind of let their own passions shine in the in in the service. Because it sounds like from day one, you guys were open to, hey, when a customer comes in, let them know they can have as many free samples as possible. Like that's what's and, being told yeah. to me. It's like, I want you to try as many mm-hmm. as possible, customer Eli. Like, I, right. And after the fifth time, and the, and the first time I had Solenstraw, after the fifth time, I started to feel really bad. But again, I'd never seen a, a, an eclectic menu board as that. Like yeah. you have to and try so you just, like, you kind, And cool. so, and so you're you. just like, you want, you, I'm so curious, especially like if, you're, if you don't know yeah. you're gonna be, I'm not from Anaheim, I'm not in that location all the time. So it was like, you want to get the best experience with the time and the $5 that you're spending right then and when I didn't feel guilty for it, it was just like, oh, of course I'm gonna be back because I'm hoping that the menu board is also completely different when I come back, yeah. which it has been before. And so, it's, yeah, the wonder that you're talking about when there isn't the judgment of like, hey, I'm working on a minimum wage, I don't wanna give you this spoon. Like you, even if they don't say it, you can feel it, uh, right? The way they- yeah, cringe. Get, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And so the fact that it, that judgment was gone was like, let, let's roll, let's, yeah. let's, let's do this. Cool, that makes me happy, yeah. I mean, you don't phone in a single flavor on the menu. Like, is it, are you, cause I, I've, there's a lot of creative stuff that happens on the foodie scene and I could come off like an annoying asshole at work. That like, oh, this isn't good enough, or this is weird. Do you feel like you come off like that sometimes with your team, or like, what's, what's that process like in your kitchen now that you have, you have one in uh, LA and one in Portland? Yeah, so I think, well, I mean, it was that, just what I was getting back to earlier, like formalizing what is, you know, what is the formula for, uh, for what, what makes us successful. I think uh, what we do now, every, the first Friday of every month, we launch a new menu. And we trade it like almost like a Broadway show, right? Like there's, a, there's literally a year's worth of buildup for that one menu. 
and it happens every single month and uh so we're already talking about October 2020 right Jeez. now in the R&D kitchen. And, you know, like there's processes that go through how we write the menu, how we write the descriptions, how we train our team, how we order the, pro you know, like what, what ingredients are we ordering? So we need to call our farmers a year in advance, be like, dude, we want this one thing and we're gonna, it's gonna be served in 20 locations, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, like all of this is, it's, it's turned into a production and it changes every single month so that it can become that kind of like, that moment in time. Yeah. Um, How much of your approach was learned through just doing it yourself? And how much of your approach, and we're talking about your approach now in 2019, was because you learn from people or books or an education? Like, mm -hmm. how would you separate that to, to where you are now? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, the problem with ice cream is that you can't use any recipe straight from a book because, like, nothing is made to be served at negative five degrees. Right, like you could find the best brownie recipe from New York Times or, you know, like, and then you put it in the freezer overnight and you eat it straight out of the freezer, it's gonna be bad, Sure. you know? So every recipe that we've ever written has to be specifically written to be in the, served straight from the freezer. I heard Kim talk about, your partner Kim, your cousin Kim, I heard her talk about how the toppings that are basically lathered into the ice cream are all custom made, mm -hmm. right? So like, you know when you go to yogurt land, you want gummy bears on there, but then it sucks once you put it on because it, they're frozen and they're oh, rock yeah. hard. Yeah. So I didn't actually get to try this flavor, but I heard about this candy flavor you had for October one month. Yeah. And can you talk to me a little bit about that? Because I heard you made every last piece of candy that goes into that flavor. Mm -hmm. And then I want to talk about your Thanksgiving flavor that I just yeah. had, which is incredible. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, gummy bears, and uh, so we've made gummy bears. Um, and yeah, again, we just like, we dial in that recipe knowing that we want to freeze it. Um, for, you know, uh, every October we've d been, done a flavor, we call it candy copia. Yeah. Um, the great candy copia. So we, uh, it's we, word on the street. It's like the best freaking flavor of ice cream. I might period, have a leftover from like, I might need, I've, I'll try and save one for you. My timing <laughs> just always, for some reason, I can't get into salt straw. You, you gotta come out. every month. I know, man. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, yeah, we, so we make, it's, we make a butterscotch ice cream. So we cook butterscotch slow and down, fold that into ice cream. <laughs> say it slower. Yeah, say it slower. <laughs> um, butterscotch. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, we we make a homemade peanut butter cups Reese's. There we go. Damn, he um, winked too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're winking past me, but either way, I felt it. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, we make our own homemade Snickers. Oh yeah. Um, but the caramel, it's designed to you know be gooey at in oh. the freezer, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, Twix. That was a hard recipe to come up with. Yeah. A clone recipe for Twix. Wait, all these different like how all these different candy creations that you guys are making not from like the major candy companies are all in this singular ice cream that yeah. you're describing yeah yeah i might get in nice. trouble for calling them what they <laughs> i know brands. but it's it's helpful for our audience though yeah yeah what's cool is that you didn't just use that and then use the cachet of like snicks or twickers in the marketing it was like yeah, it yeah. was just like really good candy and that's what i like about everything that you guys do is it inherently has the flavors and has these things that people are familiar with but you don't leverage those brands necessarily because you don't collab up, I feel like. You guys are oh, an yeah. enigma of I don't think they'd let us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I bet you they would want to. Thinking, yeah. No, I bet you they would want to. <laughs> if you actually reached out, they would want to, yeah. but I don't think you need to. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, we've tried. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, yeah, I think there's something about like having that control and like putting, you know, like there's a little bit of extra thought that goes into every single ingredient. Yeah. Um, What's this Thanksgiving? Tell me about the Thanksgiving, okay, Thanksgiving. one. The, the turkey We're, one specifically. Yeah, yeah. So this is a, it's on the menu until Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. Go and, ahead, and go all the way from like if it started 12 months ago. Like, yeah. I want to hear the, like, yeah. this full process of how this flavor came together because it's such an, a, a unique and original flavor. And I would love to understand. I know you kind of described like it's a buildup, mm -hmm. but like give me, give me the the behind the scenes on this flavor too. Well, okay. Yeah. It starts with this idea of like, what Thanksgiving is in our lives. Um, it's inherently comforting, right? Like between Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving, you get together with your friends and family 
and everything washes away all worries wash away like everything and it's just like you have this like guttural like sense of joy you know you can feel it in your stomach and mm-hmm. um it's and the best foodie holiday period <laughs> easy yeah. easy and um there's something about that that i thought like could we capture that that sense sensation in our shops like when you come in you're already like taking off your armor right you're already like sitting down you have this moment of full face attention with it with our scooper who's offering you every single sample you could ever dream of like how do we kind of capture like dial in that like that heartwarmingness of thanksgiving into ice cream and so we did a five course meal as a explored through ice cream um and it's all the dishes that you know it's everything that you'd see on a thanksgiving table um which at that point once you get across that line and assume you're going to do that then like the flavors sound pretty obvious right like you have to have a sweet potato casserole that's obligatory stuffing um you can't have thanksgiving meal without turkey right like so uh cranberry sauce and pumpkin pie um that's all in one flavor no, no, those are five, five different flavors those are, the whole, okay. five course whole meal, meal. oh yeah. gotcha yeah one flavor would be really <laughs> i was like what challenge accepted let's do it i got some um, challenges for you yeah. later that's what yeah, we okay, okay. So, so the thanksgiving it's a set of flavors yeah and i want you to eat all five of them at once uh in order <laughs> Just like a, just like a course meal, like that's that's what your goal would be for the people to experience. Exactly, it, is in that. Yeah, way. yeah. Sometimes I have these visions that are unrealistic. I remember when I was writing the cookbook, <laughs> my cookbook, I, I like wrote every single recipe in order, and then my publisher Francis Lamb, he uh, he called and he's like, hey, I need to move this recipe over here and this recipe over here, and I. I put up the biggest stink. I'm like, no, you can't do that. It's specifically in a very, this order and they have to be read in this order. And he's like, who do you think is opening a cookbook and reading from front to back (laughs) in order? And I was like, someone <laughs> so someone like me <laughs> that's a dope way to write a cookbook though because it's a narrative in that sense and that's also yeah. the, it's also the second like, time francis tam has been mentioned francis on our podcast yeah. as yeah. an editor of a cookbook yeah. too well you know i think of like making uh, cooking through a cookbook is like playing a video game you know how like you start playing a video game and like you don't know how to jump and then you learn how to jump and then you learn how to like jump and slash yeah and then you learn how to jump slash and spin and kick you know, right. like you learn all these moves <laughs> linearly, and that's yeah. how uh, cooking should be. But I don't know. Apparently, Francis Lamb disagrees. Can, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> he was really nice about it. Don't worry. Can Can you describe um, the approach to each store for Salt and Straw, and how that might differ from, I don't know, like a Cold Stone or something that kind of has the exact kind of same menu almost anywhere you go. Um, can you just describe the approach from store to store? Yeah, so uh, Salt and Straw, the interior is, I mean, everything to us. I think we want you to be transported as soon as you walk through the door of Salt and Straw. And so everything is meticulously chosen, picked out, and designed. Um, and so it's so interesting. I, I remember, you know, like, we you think about, like, Disneyland or Disney World. And some of these places where when you go there, everything is just there right right? like you are in the moment um and uh so the design is very much supposed to be is is meant to be that um because it completely changes the experience of tasting the ice cream when you're here and you're like in salt and straw we're sitting in here today together right now right it's a we're talking about turkey ice cream and that's not weird at all as soon as you go out that door Mm. turkey ice cream is weird and that's i'm fine with that because i know i'm living in this moment here and you're going to be in this moment when you come in. This is one of the few ice cream stores where it's not weird. And I think you have the captive audience <laughs> yeah. and the scoopers, if you will, that are ready to walk you through it. As yeah. opposed to kind of just seeing it on a pint on a shelf in a freezer aisle. Yeah. Or going into another store sure. where the scoopers may not, um, not that they don't care, but they may not be as knowledgeable about the backstory. And so that's where it's, uh, it didn't seem weird to me when they were cool. like, oh, by the way, you want to try the turkey ice cream? Yeah. And I'm into some weird shit so it, to me I still like the way they explained it and they explained to the mom right next to me who I yeah. didn't know 
they were both into it yeah and so yeah. i thought that was that was really cool and we slowly take you along you know you get to see like we have a lot of our partners we sell their products on our shelves so you start to like we slowly immerse you into our world as you walk up to the line can you give us can you give us your top five or top ten favorite creations and if oh, if there's if they're still available and like yeah. where people can can In, get them if I need your top five power ranking yeah, it's gonna top, be hard top your top five, five power, power yeah, flavor yeah. ranking okay, okay. and if it's and especially if it's a still available and people can get it okay. it's all you could serve forever and That's number it. one is our sea salt with caramel ribbons I don't know if you tried that one yep yeah. it's the one I eat every day <laughs> Uh, no joke is yeah that, you yeah. eat it every day that's the yeah. health trick bro that's the health <laughs> trick that's how you look like tyler <laughs> maybe a little hot fudge on top oh it's um it's simple but it's like uh i've got a really salty palate too i don't know about you guys but Same. i crave i that. definitely do um ah uh, man after that it's really hard damn right uh, right you, they don't have to be in any order but i, yeah. I need this top five because okay. you're going to eliminate all other menu items you know every <laughs> every july it's become a tradition for us we do a goat cheese marionberry habanero um okay. originally with a partner we've got there's an amazing goat cheese maker uh in portland called portland creamery um so we it's it's really good it's like just spicy enough um you know, we started doing a lot of vegan flavors, so yeah. we have mm-hmm. one flavor in particular that's really, like from a science perspective, it's really fascinating. It's, uh, we get our fat from three ingredients, uh, hazelnut butter, uh, chocolate, coconut butter, or cocoa butter, right? And then um, coconut cream. And between those three, it makes like a hazelnut cookies and cream. Um, I love that flavor. And it's mm-hmm. one of the most decadent ice creams I've ever had in my life because of, you know, it's got those trio of fats. Um, I haven't tried that yet. You need it, dude. That's like, oh, I yeah. can't wait. Yeah, it's good vegan ice cream too. Yeah, it's like- for uh, on Black Friday, our our December flavors launch. I we've got a gingerbread cookie, cookie butter ice cream that's really good. That My, cracks the top five. Yeah, I think so. Woo! My grandma and I used to make these cookies every winter. She called them crybaby cookies, which I don't. I always never knew why. Someone asked recently. They're like, why crybaby? I was like, oh. Maybe it, is it because the gingerbread looks sad? I don't know. Or made me cry. It probably made me cry when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like, wait, I don't if, want the Wait, am I the cry? <laughs> I, maybe. Um, uh, is that only four? That's, That's four. four. I need one we more. need one more. This is a good list, though. That's okay, a okay, great okay, list. Okay. Um, gosh. From the creator himself, this is the top five power ranking. Yeah, this is Who's going to squeeze in? I know. I'm so, I'm so curious about what's going to squeeze into the top five. He's, he's had hundreds of babies. You know, it's got, it probably has to be our, um, our bone marrow smoked cherry. I was, I was wondering if that one specifically was going to crack it. That was one of the first unique flavors we ever made. Uh, and it, uh, it was, it's just cool. It's really, really neat how that everything emulsifies together. It's, um, it's one of those flavors that you can only make in small batch machines, like, you know, five gallon ice cream makers. So really no one else in the world can make this flavor other than us. And, um, it's good. Do you think you could make a ketchup flavor sure have you tried do you like ketchup the name of the podcast is the ketchup so i was oh, and yeah, i like ketchup and i like yeah. ketchup but i was like yo if, if anyone could do it tyler mm-hmm. could you know we worked with worst cooch and did a, um, a hot dog <laughs> <laughs> yo i gotta say i don't know if it make- was good but it was fun <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you can have so much fun with ketchup because there's such good colors yeah. that you could contrast yeah. with. And really throw We've done a lot of them. mustard caramels in, in our life. It's one of my favorite recipes. Mustard caramel? But you know, ketchup seems easier than mustard, right? Dang, yeah. I don't know. You, you're the pro. For me, for me it's, I was like, yeah, I'll put ketchup on regular vanilla ice cream. But Would you? Would no, you really? No, I just said <laughs> I said that and I immediately regretted it. The truth comes like, out. Yeah. No, but but I feel like you can make it work. I mean, tomato, sugar, yeah, yeah. sweet. It's not too far off. Okay, that'd be a fun Ex- collab. Especially because I think I think the trick would be that you have the tomato and the sweet, but I think you still if ke- if it's ketchup, you still need the salt, and I think that's where like mm, our palate would come in. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. like I think there would need to be an element of that, and then is it something like? Potato. Yeah, or yeah. Is I was just thinking, have you ever is put it, like a it, French fry crisp yeah, or yeah. something? Or well, we got a sweet potato ice cream right now. The potato that starch is really cool in ice cream. It really makes it. 
Um, well, this, didn't, this doesn't even sound like a weird question anymore. <laughs> we did a, we did a loaded baked potato ice cream with uh, Michael Vitaggio a few years ago. Oh, that's dope. It was really good. Oh it was really God. cool. Dude. That's that's gonna be my that's my top ten at least. That oh, loaded that baked makes, potato. That one yeah. makes your top ten. What yeah. was it, what was it like? It's just all of the elements of a loaded baked potato. Yeah, but it was like it was fun. It was really cool. So we made um. No one questioned it. There's a lot. <laughs> a loaded potato ice cream sounds awesome. Yeah. So it was a potato-based ice cream, which is, duh. Yeah. It's Wait, easy. But that was does, the easy part. Does that mean, what What do you mean by that? Potato-based? Does that mean that it's not, it's still dairy-based though, right? Well, yeah. Okay. So we, you want to get into this? Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah let's no, do it. This, right is, now. this <laughs> is the podcast to get into it. Okay. Okay. So uh, we took... Um, waxy potatoes and we boiled them really long because um, you we slowly kind of converted a lot of the starches to sugar right so um they wouldn't be too gummy uh and as soon as they started breaking down um we kind of like mashed them up uh add a ton of sour cream and heavy cream and then uh that became the base of our ice cream wow um it's really cool because it there's so much starch in the potatoes you really don't need any like gums or anything like that to stick it together so it just holds itself together and then uh so again that was the easy part the base of the ice cream is potatoes and sour cream (laughs) i'm looking at you like yeah that was of course (laughs) i just use the back of my head nodding like yeah yeah, of course yeah like of course i knew everything (laughs) you were talking about make music potato as a base yeah Yeah. okay see um so that was easy (laughs) uh and then we need onions onions and uh, that's like classic onions on a baked potato yeah um so that one was kind of that was a that was, was one weird of though, onion, recipes the onions crazy he on did a, he's got a cool recipe though that he taught me where um we juiced raw onions like just put onions in a juicer right and you get onion juice which is yeah. Yeah, I've never done it before, but you do I, it. Believe, yeah. I believe you that it works. Yeah. The science is there. Yeah, uh, and then um, you hydrate that with, uh, hydrate sugar with that onion juice and then um, cook it into a sugar, or into a caramel. And uh, both the sugar and the onion equally caramelized. So you literally get liquid caramelized onions. Bruh. Um, and, uh, and then that became like a caramel swirl, you oh know? Oh, my God. Uh, and then cheese. We did a white cheddar cookie dough. Oh, um, which again, it's relatively, you just emulsify cheddar into cream and add a little bit of flour and yeah. Um, All the fatties at home. Right? And then, oh, and then bacon. Bacon has to be in there. So we uh, we didn't want pure bacon because that would have been, you know, too literal. So uh, we rendered out bacon fat from this really, there's a really cool bacon, Nooski's bacon, if you ever get a chance to cook with it. It's got like a ton of smoke and meat flavor to it. So we rendered out all the fat and then used the fat uh, to make homemade Oreos. Damn. Um, and so it's a bacon fat Oreos. What? Wait, so you made an Oreo from that and then crumpled the Oreo back into the ice cream? Yeah. Bro, what the fuck? That's amazing. Wait, uh, <laughs> can we bring that flavor back? Yeah. <laughs> Please bring like a special batch. We've yeah. now spent five minutes on this podcast. Everyone listening is now going to want this flavor. Yeah, yeah, we're going to bring it. <laughs> we have the vault. We have a every March we bring back our vault. You know, like the Disney vault. I like this. Yeah, but do you, uh, do so we're going to have to bring it back. Are, do you? Do you? Are you inspired by Disney? Do you like Disney, the brand? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I love it. I mean, you know, I really. You know, obviously you grew up with it, but then we got to work a lot with them as we were opening our Disney shop, downtown Disney shop yeah. in Anaheim, and um, it is insane how much thought and intention goes behind every single thing that happens in in that space because they don't let just anybody in there so that's got to be one a dream come true to have your Mm -hmm. you know your world within theirs at least there in downtown disney in anaheim um but yeah like what what are some of those little things that they like think about yeah it was game changing for us and i think um you know we got to work we literally had imagineers at our side teaching us how to properly set up the line for customers so that they would get little glimpses of the experience every every step of the way um how to you know make sure that we were properly setting up our menu so that we could really like capture exactly what people are expecting yeah um there's something about uh yeah, I think, like I said, you, there's nothing that goes unchecked. Literally, down to every single stanchion that's in that building, or in that, that complex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
it's it's pretty cool. So what's what's next? What's next for Salt and Straw? I mean, we're in store number twenty. Mm-hmm. That's got to be crazy. I mean, are you guys going more into packaging? ice cream for people at home that may not have access to your stores or where's the focus next yeah we have two things so uh, for us um we think like we we have a capability to tell stories that have never been told before and uh people get to like enjoy that through ice cream and we we can kind of change their minds or like bring them along on really important causes so we did a menu a couple years ago where we did all the flavors based off uh, we used food waste um, and created uh, 20 different flavors using different um, working with different nonprofits to highlight you know the fact that we waste 60 percent of our food in the country Um, and so we're continuing on that and we're actually like really diving in and trying to figure out how to nationally make that that a thing so we started we ship ice cream everywhere in the and around the country um, which is like mind-blowing yeah. we put ice cream in a box and give it to ups and somehow it arrives on someone's door in like pittsburgh <laughs> we're like whoa <laughs> cool um and then uh we're opening in miami next year is that the furthest from the other location i that's think that's the, the furthest possible from portland you can get yeah 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 because that's the only uh, that'll be the first east coast location yeah. right so for an entire coast that's going to be the closest they've ever come unless they've traveled out out west 100 percent. yeah how do you service that you're going to open up a kitchen over there too yeah and make working on it Man. yeah and it's it's going to be fun i think you know we've been spending a lot of time there trying to figure out like where did we want to open and um Miami between Miami LA and Portland there's a really cool synergy I mean you just get like very similar vibes in regards to energy around uh, excitement around food um, just like an openness to collaborate and really partner Um, I think it's one of the only places in the country where I've really felt that like you know comfort of home you're gonna stand out Miami so I think I'm excited (laughs) I'm excited for that Tyler, can I ask you a business question? Sure. So, in in our entire 10-year history of Food Beast, it feels like ice cream has no ceiling. Like, the amount of emerging brands that are now in grocery store aisles feel Mm -hmm. like there's now more than ever before, especially with the stuff, and I want to talk about this a little bit more if we can fit it in, but like the amount of vegan alternatives that are also coming under the market, their own brands kind of coming in. Do you feel like ice cream industry as a whole is shifting and the demand is staying the same? Or is there just no ceiling for ice cream? I'm curious about how you guys are seeing it as salt and straw, especially Mm. from I think a craft perspective, but also now a 20 store, 20 location perspective. That's a really hard question for me to answer because, um, you know, when we're talking, I think everything we've talked about for the past hour has very little to do with ice cream. I don't know if you noticed that, right? Like we've talked about flavors, sure, but uh, the fact that we serve ice cream is, um, is only one part of the equation. You know, and I think there's something really important there to, to, that we've had to admit to ourselves in that when you come into Salt and Straw, you're getting something completely different in regards to this true experience. Um, and so it's fascinating because we actually, like, you, if you look at our locations, they're not often places where you'd see a common ice cream shop. You know, we're on Abbot Kinney, like, right in, on Maine and Maine. That's where, like, the clo- you know the clothes across yeah. the street you get yeah what Tom's shoes right yeah 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 um, and it's because we're we're providing something that is not even just ice cream it's something so much more um, and what that is we've been trying to put our finger on and it's like a constant moving target uh, but that's where again it's really hard for me to compare to the ice cream industry because I think we're it's just a different level of innovation a different style of service a different level of experience that we're providing he almost has a different problem of scale and and scaling ideas Mm -hmm. where if you had one flavor that everyone just loved and that was it and that was your business model then you're scaling kind of like an ice cream company with scale but it sounds like you know, how can each month be entirely different from mm-hmm. the stories that you're telling? And, and yeah. I think that's what I kind of latched onto is you're just so fascinated about 
where the next ice cream could come from yeah. and the journey to that ice cream versus like just the flavor that ends up. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of that's kind of special in a scale and stuff like that. I don't know if I d- didn't answer your question properly. No, not. I mean, <laughs> all of our questions are here to just to provoke and to and yeah. cause dialogue. So I, I think that's really interesting. As kind of a follow-up, I'm kind of curious about... So last week, there was news that Dean's Dairy, one of the largest corporate dairy um, conglomerates in the country, announced for bankruptcy. And I'm curious about, from a, from a person whose business is ice cream, who's created hundreds of flavors, like what's the state of dairy mm-hmm. from your perspective? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for us, like we've always had this idea of we want to make sure that we're open and like we're a safe place for, uh, you know, or a protected place for anyone, regardless of their diet, dietary concerns or, you know, religion or anything like whatever you're bringing with you into this space you should feel really comfortable and um you know because of that uh, if you walk into salt and straw 20 percent of our menu is vegan and it's cool because we actually are then now at the forefront of that dialogue create some of the best flavors that we have in my opinion literally our top yeah. five one of my top five, yeah, right? yeah. One of your top is, five. Uh, is our vegan flavors and that's kind of cool um because the fact that it's frozen and scoopable is really the only barrier that we have like that's the only rule yeah the fact you know it having cow's milk in it is like just so happens to be a common thread more often than not um but it's not necessary uh you know i i will go and let's go on a tangent for a second like in my opinion most vegan ice creams out there are trying too hard to be like healthy or like mm. like giving up on this idea of indulgence we actually we have a term here called vegan vegan indulgence. We love this idea of like owning the word vegan because it shouldn't be scary and also linking it to the word indulgence because it, it, if there's no reason ice cream should be anything other than an indulgent, like if it's okay for it to be the indulgence, that's what it's been for years. All the ice cream is BS. Yeah. (laughs) What are you just eat a carrot and then have one, you know, like I'd much rather have like one spoonful of full fat, ice cream where you know what the ingredient where the ingredients came from than like a whole pint of you know ice cream that's just pumped with air and other things that we don't know how to pronounce last last question from us can you tell me about your soft serve concept whiz bang what yeah what yeah. the fuck was i <laughs> yeah <bro. laughs> wait I, I was on time for I this podcast soft serve too. <laughs> damn it <laughs> Izzy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, Me and Izzy were Tyler, smoking t- a t- joint t- in the parking t- lot. T- I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> totally worth t- it. Please, okay. please tell us what the what this is. Whiz bang. <laughs> you know, so uh, we used to whenever whenever we create secret documents and they needed passwords, uh, the password was always whiz bang. <laughs> Be like whiz bang, <laughs> you know, because it was going to be a whiz bang project that we were working on. Um, Wait, is that word from something? It's a tight word. I don't know where. Is it's that from. a word? Like I, I have. We don't know. Yeah, who knows? That was just from the Salt and Straw Company culture, like just whiz bang. It was for yeah, our yeah. password. <laughs> We've changed most of them. Uh, Tyler's like rushing to finish his podcast <laughs> so we can change the password. Um, yeah, uh, I. Just, it's just a. It's a fun way to think about innovation you know and like you were like whenever you work on a project we're like let's put our whiz bang team on that you know uh let's let's do our a whiz bang job (laughs) and uh so we were working on trying to figure out what would soft serve be in in ice cream and we started playing with all these flavors and the first the first thing that inspired me was we um we created uh, the first magic shell, the first like dipped cone that's made with real berries. I think it's still to this day the only magic cone in the country that's made with real uh, fresh berries. Whoa! In um, the chocolate, it's built in. It's cooked into, into the, the chocolate in a way that like emulsifies but still hardens. I don't know. It's really cool. Um, and so I was like, I want to do dipped cones. So we started doing dipped cones, but you can't do that with hard ice cream. So we started making soft serve, and um, then we started like. Then I realized like soft serve you can be so innovative with it because it literally is soft you know like it's it's in the moment where ice cream you have to serve it at least 24 hours later because it needs to harden right? science of ice cream <laughs> but soft serve it's 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 ethereal it's in the moment and it melts faster and it's sweeter and it's everything um and so uh 
we started a whole new brand. It's um, I don't know how to explain it. Like it's got it's got a whiz bang menu. What? Where's is yeah, it in Portland? It's in Portland. Yeah. Is it already open? Yeah. It's yeah yeah. It's been Where open the, for three years. The hell have I been? It's just yeah, man. one of the coolest well, little ice cream shops you can find. Yeah, it's tiny. Um, Are you going to bring it here to California? I don't know. That's a good question. Do that you want be, it? Do you yeah. think people would come? Well, I know Jeff. Oh, I, one, I love soft serve, but Jeff loves, loves soft serve. Really? I think he almost OD'd on the last cruise we went on. Yeah, Carnival, it's free, Carnival free Cruise in 2013. Yeah, like yeah. I, I was worried about it. I was worried about it. <laughs> they just him. have those machines, and unlike McDonald's, they were working all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's trouble for me you know that's oddly enough that's the hardest part of scaling is uh those machines, machines they're expensive they break down and a bit, lot. yeah <laughs> maintenance like, yeah we thought it was just us we were like why can't we keep this machine going and then we read an article about mcdonald's like how they only 50 percent of the time they're <laughs> they're running they're running and we're like okay that makes like if they can't they get can't it then get it. we're okay yeah tyler um, where can where can people find you and learn more about what salt and straw is doing follow us on instagram at Salt and Straw. Follow me on Instagram at Tyler James Malik. Um, and you can order our line on our ice cream online if you're not in one of our cities. Um, saltandstraw.com. We ship it everywhere. Assuming the continental US. Yeah. <laughs> that was like a really great yeah. way to do it after us. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Except for everyone else. Um, and uh, we are open in five cities along the West Coast. Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego. So come visit us at one of our shops. Yo, if anyone wants to hang out, uh, let's do a meetup at the Anaheim location in downtown Disney. Hit us up. Jeff. Follow at Jeff Kutnick, yeah. G-E-O-F-F Kutnick. Uh, I'm at... <laughs> like Kutnick's easy to spell? K-U-T-N-I-C-K. Thank you. Thank you for uh, spelling At Book of Eli with the E. And, <laughs> and follow Foodbeast Ketchup on Instagram. Foodbeast Ketchup on Instagram, guys. And until next week, Tyler. Tyler, thank you, thank you for your time. Thank yeah. you. Bye, y'all. <laughs>